Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 213 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I talk to Alex Knight of Firebrand Games about their puzzle dexterity game, Solar Flux, which has just been released on Nintendo Switch. Before we delve into that, let's talk about the other podcasts under the Kane and Rinch umbrella. Of course, we've got Kane and Rinch itself. It comes out every Monday. And this week, exciting times. You probably know this already because this happened after it's happened. Is... Volume 8, the start of Volume 8 of Kane and Rince, and its next machina is up for uh, scrutiny. So yeah, do have a listen to that. Or you may have already done so, considering this show comes out after that episode. Never mind. Anyway, if you haven't already, time, relativity, whatever. Then we have a sound of play every Wednesday. Again, that last episode's just come out. I have no idea what's on it because I'm recording this before. It's a, Never mind. It's about... Music in video games. Go listen every Wednesday. It's fantastic. Oh, and by the way, Kane and Rinse is now on Spotify. Spotify? Spotify. So, yeah. That's a great, great thing. So, yeah, if you're on Spotify and things, then you can grab Kane and Rinse from there too. Excellent. And then finally, if you want to know more about Kane and Rinse and what we can do and what we are doing, we write blogs. There's a forum. There's a lively forum. I know, shocking. Still exists and still active. Uh, do dive onto that website. It's great. And also, if you really, really like our stuff, then do subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, if you just offer us $1 a month, just $1, you'll get extra content. You get a monthly podcast made by the founders, Jay and Leon of Cane and Rinse. And also, you get extended editions of Cane and Rinse itself. And also console exclusive console focused um podcast kane and podcast we've done um mega drive we've done playstation and they're the two currently out publicly those two but there's one that's behind the patreon paywall which is game boy so if you want to want to hear it now rather than two or three months down the line you're gonna have to just pony up some coins for us well that's it for promotion about kane and and what we do let's move on to the main feature where I talk to Alex about this amazing puzzle game. Alex, who are you? What do you do? Hey, Chris. Uh, I'm Alex Knight, and I am the creative director over at Firebrand Games. Well, thanks very much for joining us. Um, second question. It gets harder as we go on, by the way. Should have warned you, but oh well. Sounds good. <laughs> second question is, how did you make you start making video games? Yeah, so so I've got one of those kind of fun stories and and one of the ones that in many colleges you hear about uh after i graduated college um just a little over 10 years ago now i went into college for animation uh media animation and 
my dream was to either work in games or work in film. And right after, uh, when they were placing people and sending out resumes and all that good stuff, demo reels, I uh, was told, hey, you know, Activision, uh, at the time I lived in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Activision was hiring for, for quality assurance testers. And I said, well, not exactly what my degree does, but I can make video games, so why not? It sounded great. And I joined up with them and uh, my first first job was actually uh, testing multiplayer um, a, a poker game for uh, the Sony and Microsoft consoles. And so I, I got to sit around and play poker for eight plus hours a day. Uh, and it was it was a pretty interesting start. And the I'm following just, I'm just year interject here, just the one yeah. little thing. Poker, in my opinion, you may disagree, isn't a very good game. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's certainly not one I prefer to play eight hours a day. I'll I'll, I'll tell you that much. I mean, that it was is cool. I think it's about the human interaction, the bluffing, the like. I, I yes. I've got junk in my hand. I seriously have, but I'm giving you the stink eye to say that I've actually got the best hand ever. Absolutely, uh, and, uh, and you know, automated AI poker opponents are predictable. And it was, you know, it was what it was at the time. But indeed. yeah, it's they've I certainly just, come a long ways. Thankfully, I, I mean, I've had I to explain some... this to people. People sort of big up a poker like. It's not very good, is it? No. <laughs> it's just, exactly. It's I don't mind it. playing it in Red Dead, for example. That's fine. But yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, at its core, it's, it's, it's a bit, It's a bit weak. Yeah, as card games go. Yeah, it is. But it's all about human interaction. You go, oh, yeah. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Please do come. No, no, it's fine. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I mean, after, after that, the, the following year, um, I moved into uh, a technical requirements group. Um, I was working on uh, testing first-party requirements for Microsoft on Xbox 360 at the time, uh, a little bit of Nintendo on the Wii, and, and that was a very interesting job, uh, extremely challenging Um Basically, you had to make sure that all of the Activision games coming out of our studio adhered to all of the very rigorous first-party requirements from you know the different platform holders, and uh, that was I wasn't a fan of that job. And at that point, I was really looking to move into more of what I thought would be my ultimate career path, which was designing or you know getting more into the creative processes. And so I started you know chatting with the local designers at the studio, and and it turned out the year after that. I would actually become one of their associate designers at Activision Publishing, which is an interesting kind of group that we had at the time because you don't typically think of game designers being at a publisher. You know, they're generally at the developer making the games. But because we were working with so many external studios at that time, uh, our, our division of Activision was uh, the licensed um, publishing business. So we worked on, you know, mostly licensed games, uh, Marvel, uh, the Cabela's titles, fishing games, that sort of thing. Anything with you know movie or TV show licenses that came through us, and and that was a that was a fun time for me. Um, I worked on a ton of Wii games during the big Wii surgence. Oh yeah. yeah, some I'm very proud of, some I'm less proud of, but yeah, I, yeah. I had a lot of fun ones. Uh, my first uh, game that I, I co-designed with some of my colleagues was called Arcade Zone on the Nintendo Wii, and it was this fun. We were able to use some of the older Activision like Atari classics and kind of repurpose them and almost remaster them a little and so that was a lot of fun uh, I had a lot of hand you know yeah, fingerprints I'm, I'm, on that I'm a big retro gamer myself whatever that means I mean a game as soon as it comes out is by definition then old but anyway it, uh, <laughs> but Pitfall is one of my favorites um, and yeah. uh, I always tell people run left what just go left but there's a whole no no seriously I mean sorry uh, <laughs> right no you start off on the left like Go right. What? 
no, no, no. Seriously, just go right. And they go just, right, and they just they do draw drops like, what? Yeah, just, <laughs> seriously, go right. Don't don't go left. It's the worst thing you want to do. Absolutely. Right. And it, it puts a little dude. Right, it's a, it's one of the earliest sort of sneaky, like it's an extraordinary game, an incredible game, and. Uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for doing that. When I see that, I mean, they do sort of collections of arcade games. I mean, Namco used to do them on a PS One. Oh yeah, and, and yeah, I love got, the Namco classics. Yeah, I've, I've still got the Capcom classics as well, and uh, I actually recently played or tried to play Ghosts and Goblins. You don't actually play that game; it plays you. And uh, but yeah, it's uh, it reintroduces people to those games that they've never never seen it before. So. Absolutely. And I mean, honestly, even we're even seeing these days, I mean, so many games coming out, you know, especially from indies and indie studios, there's a lot of inspiration taken from that. It's, it's fantastic. You know, it's, it's our history books, you know, in the games industry. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so I mean, that was that was a couple of years that I was I was doing that design, and then from that point, I uh, the, the Activision Studio actually closed down Internal Design and and finally made um, inevitably what I think was probably the right call, and that hey, our developers should really be driving design. So at that point, uh, instead of instead of being like going laid off, I was actually promoted over to being an associate producer, where I spent the remainder of my time at Activision for the next couple of years doing typical producer job. You know, working on schedules, publishing games. Uh, you know, we had a lot of a lot of fun on that. Uh, I got to work on one of the largest um, budgeted games for Activision Minneapolis at the time, which was uh, NASCAR the Game 2011 at that time, and that was a big hit. It was a successful hit for the market, um, the target audience. You know, it was nice to see a NASCAR game coming back, and and that for me was also an interesting inlet because shortly after that I was publishing uh, another NASCAR game and that was uh, NASCAR Unleashed which was a very arcade almost like Mario Kart sort of but with NASCARs and very cartoony you know levels and all that and the developer that I had hired at that time for that game was Firebrand Games and I had a great relationship with them and just like many of the, the developers I worked with had a great relationship and we moved on from that and another another year or so down the road and, and we were looking at another game and had hired the Firebrand Games for that, that game as well. But unfortunately at that point, uh, Activision Minneapolis had a, a bit of a, a shuttering and I was laid off. But that same day, because they, they laid off everybody on the game that I was working on, my senior manager and even the director of, of that game as well. I called up Firebrand and told them the situation. And they had just said, well, hey, we're, we're short a, a producer on our side. Let's talk more. And I'm thinking to myself in the middle of winter in Minnesota, you know, it's frigid temperatures, thinking, hey, Firebrand in Florida, you know. Right on the ocean. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking, all right, let's talk more. And, you know, chatted over with the wife and the family. And we said, hey, let's do it. We haven't we haven't left our state yet. Let's move out. And so I accepted a job with Firebrand. And, and I've been with them uh, six years now. I'm actually just started on my seventh year with them. And it's it's just an interesting loop. You know, you, you, 
you hear about this so much in our industry. It's such a small industry. Everybody kind of knows each other. And, and there is that very small degree of separation, you know. And, and for me, it was just one door led to another that I was already working with. I knew a lot of the staff at Firebrand coming from Activision. And and now in a, in a funny roundabout loop, one of the, the last games that we published here at Firebrand just this past year was another NASCAR game. It was on mobile this time, NASCAR Heat Mobile. It's doing wonderfully right now. And it turns out I'm working with some of the same people I worked with back at Activision seven years ago again. And it's just one small industry. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it. Uh, I think I know why you may disagree, but my observation from it is is really there's a very unique set of skills, not quoting from a certain film, but you do the very small amount of people who can do these things, very complicated things in many regards, very well and work together very well over a certain do you get my? Do you, do you agree, or do you think it's not not the case? No, I you know I really do, and and it's one of those things that yeah, I mean it requires such a specific mindset, and for better or worse, uh, you know it's it's a skill set that often isn't translatable to too many other fields. I mean, software development in general, sure, but you know you you can't take the skills you you've learned acquired in the games industry and then try and go and become an accountant, right? Like it's. No. It's all lost if you do that. <laughs> yeah, and it is, so it is a, yeah, it is an interesting. Uh, there's lots of other industries that are like po- poaching from each other, and like you know, you have graduates going through the system, and they're sort of doing their studies, and they go, actually, you know, I want to do go and do this, and then the industry they're working or aiming for, like, no way, don't, no, no way. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's an absolutely wonderful industry. I, I can't imagine myself doing anything different, to be honest. I mean, I I'm so passionate about it. I'm maybe one of one of you know the average that i it's still my hobby too when i when i'm done making games during the day i go home and i still play games i mean i have a bunch of other hobbies but it's still one of my main hobbies i love playing them i love experiencing everyone's you know creativity and everybody else's games and you know it's big or small there's there's just a lot out there and i have a very shamefully large backlog unfortunately <laughs> well, just like most people and <laughs> think of it as an investment in an industry you work in so don't worry exactly That's exactly it's not, a, it's not a part of shame no we had a previous guest many many years ago said this and I'm like, that's a good that's a good point it's not a part of shame no it's like your your monument to the industry you love and, and support. So there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll take that. I'll use it. <laughs> use it. Yeah. So next question. This one's quite nebulous and difficult to answer for many. Um, sure. But um, I want you to say it on behalf of the studio, or maybe yourself. It's entirely up to you. But typically, it's from the studio. Really, is what do you believe as creators is your biggest influences? What are your biggest influences? Well, so so on behalf of the studio and, and Firebrands specific genre that we got into the this studio was founded back in in 2006 by by our ceo mark greenshields and his goal was to create you know a very competitive racing game studio and, and that's where we've been around so for for us i mean again i'm i'm only seven years into the company or well six full years so it's been around a lot longer than me but but so many games, you know, RC Pro-Am and, and the NES era and, you know, F1 Race, Excitebike, all those games are what really helped found what Firebrand games would become. And so those are our primary influences. We want to make great racing games. And, and for a time, especially with uh, the DS and 3DS, we've got some of the highest Metacritic uh, DS racing games out there. You know, we did Trackmania, we did Cars 3, you know, licensed property, and they turned out great. And, and that's our real passion. That's what drives us. And 
we're excited because we do have the flexibility now to try new games and original IP. And that's where solar flux came in, you know, back in, back in 2013 originally. And, and that's really for, for us, the inspiration. We love being able to, to, to just work on, you know, this genre and, and also expand out our, our abilities as well and try out new things. I'm a big sort of racing game fan, although I, I have this debate on and off for years. Is Ridge Racer the series racing games? I, I don't know, because the more you play, you realise, oh, wait, this is a weird puzzle game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it pretty much is. I mean, when you need to play the older one, or like, this, this, this physics are terrible. Yeah, yeah, just because it's not really... Oh, <laughs> you know, and then then you go off to like play an F one game or something like that. Especially the recent ones, they're phenomenal. And like, mm-hmm. wow, it's, it's and they've come. I mean, how, what do you make of where they've gone now? Is it something you saw coming as the as the processors? And I do believe it is that not. It's really the 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 the, the capacity and the strength and the power, if you will. These are all nebulous terms. Is that word again? It's difficult <laughs> terms to, to lock down, but. As the processing power of the of the consoles or computers, whatever it might be, has increased, did you see it going where it's gone? You know, I I always expected it would. Um, in a way, I mean, even coming from you know my childhood and, and playing Gran Turismo, Gran Turismo had you know fantastic simulation and physics and everything at the time, right? And and we've come so far forward in that you know you can really like when we talk about simulated racing games, you can one to one recreate you know, a real vehicle on a real surface and any one of those surfaces, whether it be tarmac or, or sitting on a ice pack, snow or gravel, you know, it's, it's that level of interaction that, that honestly is amazing. And and this is something I've gotten to experience firsthand with NASCAR too. I mean, NASCAR has very specific tuning setups and, and the cars drive very specific. They are unlike any other racing sport, you know, they're far different than an F1 car, for example. And so, you know, I've seen it both on the simulation side and, and even the arcade side myself on just how granular that you can build out those simulations and, and how to get the steering and, and the feel of the cars right. And even still, ultimately, the, the tricky thing is always con- convincing users that you've made a game that mimics the sport. But as, as somebody that, you know, your typical user isn't also a race car driver, so it's very challenging for them to understand, okay, well, I watch NASCAR when I'm playing this, is this really how it should feel? And there's often a disconnect. And it's typically why I steer away from comments on racing games, because most people will go in there. Oh, this is nothing like what it's supposed to be. Well, well, you might not know that, but this is what we're doing to replicate it as close as we can to a driver's perspective. And, you know, there's always going to be that disconnect, I think. But it is pretty, it is pretty amazing. The technology we have there, you know, I can't wait personally to see that translate even more into VR where you can sit in the car and have the same level yeah. of physics. I know companies like iRacing are going to move towards that. I think in the future, probably, but yeah, I was going to mention their work. I'm thinking, do you know of them? Of course you do. Of course you do. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they just focus down that, that line. I have a friend of mine who's huge racing sim, uh, um, fan he's got a steering wheel and everything and uh yep he had to we had to actually refurbish one and he had to put new gyros in it or something i, I had no idea oh wow <laughs> yeah, apparently they died and they they they, they, they well, i hope mine doesn't i've been using it for for half a decade myself I've yeah, got a yeah. professional sadly, one too <laughs> sadly they become um misaligned or something and it's quite and it turns out that your steering isn't as precise as it needs to be so Fair enough. <laughs> be, be, be warned. You can actually blame your tools then you, when you realise, well, why did I overcook that corner? Oh, wait. 
Yep. Game, game's fault. Game's Hardware fault. fault. Not my fault. I'm still fault. great. I'm still awesome. I'm still awesome. So, but uh, interestingly, here we are. We're talking about a, a puzzle dexterity game. So uh, we'll delve into that a little bit later on in the show, I suspect. But uh, mm-hmm. no, that's, uh, that's 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 quite a thing. I mean, I I actually recently finally got a 4K HDR television. I just I was just con- I kept on procrastinating like. Well, what about that one? Uh, <laughs> about well, for what it's worth, I'm still procrastinating on that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the reason I mentioned it is for Forza Horizon 4 was the first game I played on it. And like, oh, oh, this is what I've been missing. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. So, next question. And this might be difficult for you to answer because you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the reason being, what developer did most admire in the industry, and why? Do I most admire? Who do you go what? keep doing your thing? You know what? This one, this one actually is 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 pretty straightforward for oh, me good. right now. Anyways, uh, Hello Games, No Man's Sky. Yeah. I I keep getting sucked back into that game, and every time I do. I realize my Steam ticker goes up by like 60 more hours. I've been with them since the very first launch of the game. I know everybody just kind of really ripped on it. It was was way overpromising, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we all know the drama of that. I loved the first game. I still still was like, I don't know what the problem is. I know it's not everything they promised, but I'm having a blast jumping around planet to planet. And every one of these major updates, they've stuck true with it, and they are releasing the epitome of what I think is a space exploration game. I I adore them. I love their work. It's an easy one for me right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, because I'm thousands of years old, when I first played it, and I've actually, I'm not name-dropping here, but I'm going to do it anyway, but I actually met Sean Murray uh, years ago at uh, E3, and uh, he was showing me uh, Joe Danger on the iPhone. And he love like, Joe Danger, too. He, Great he games. Like, <laughs> and he showed it to me. He goes, I'm not sure if this is very good, because <laughs> he's very, you know, it's like, are you kidding? <laughs> How did you get it to move? I said, how did you get it to move so fast and smooth? And he says, he looked at me and went, can I hug you? <laughs> Probably not, but okay. But yeah, you know, it's, it, was, uh, it was a really nice moment. So when I saw No Man's Sky, I thought, well, yeah, that's just Mercenary. The reason I'm saying, because Mercenary is a game from 986 mm-hmm. and on the Commodore 64 and the Amiga and stuff, because again, I'm European and we didn't have the NES. You know this. <laughs> so we did, but it was really expensive. Anyway, stuff. So, and that's basically Mercenary is the same game as No Man's Sky, on a much smaller scale, of course, because of the technology. But it still, you could do anything. That's the point. Yeah. You given the world, yeah. and you you did have one job though, is to escape. That was the point. You you were stranded on this planet, and you needed to do everything you can to get off of it. <laughs> and um, they eventually released sequels to it to basically expanded it from the single planet to a solar system to a, to a collection of you know it's it's wonderful. But when I saw all the mechanics and all, I was like, wow, they're they're making mercenary again. I kept to explain this to people. They didn't know what I meant until I showed them videos of mercenary. I went, oh yeah, and when it came out, I my expectations were matched with what was coming out. I knew what it was going to be. Well, that's uh, perfect. So, but I was in a very, I was in a minority, unfortunately. So yes. I, just, I just carried on and said, oh, okay, this is cool. I like those little stories put in. It's, it's, it's quite fun. And I just, you know, I, I love the, 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 so yeah, uh, the, the whole creation of the universe using procedural generation is, is difficult. And you know this as a creator. Uh, procedural generation can go one of two ways. 
You can, oh, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> you can go like, wait, this is just kind of the same, only not. Why? Because you put all these <laughs> trappings to the point where it's not actually freed and it's just it's the, basically the same circle, but only slightly different. Slightly different, yep. <laughs> yeah. And they go, is that really... Ent- no, it's it's a fine line to walk, you know. I mean, you do. You end up either with too far exaggerated, goofy, yeah. looks broke, or it's too constrained. And too constrained. and for me, No Man's Sky fell perfectly in the middle. It it did what it was set out to do. And each planet feels sort of similar, but a lot, you know, there's a lot that can be very different. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for me, exciting one of the most exciting moments of No Man's Sky is uh, is landfall or spacefall. Which you're approaching the first planet for the first time, like what is going to be on this thing? Yep, I just don't know. That and the other one is actually encountering big capital ships and. Uh, oh, those are great! They're, they're, those are they're, great. They're, they're wonderful. And I was pretty excited when I bought my first large freighter. Yeah. This this last I've just started playing back again the start of 2018 when when the big next update hit. I, yeah. I had to go back and getting my first giant freighter was pretty pretty impressive. It, it, I loved walking around it. It, <laughs> it was lovely. Uh, I do actually play it on, on the PS4 because um, I just like playing on couch. Although uh, it came mm-hmm. on the on the PC, um, but uh, uh, for me, I mean, as a fan of Elite, the original. Um, I uh, really got a lot out of this game too, but it's really for me it was a big, big love letter to to, to mercenary. Wonderful. So next question, which I think you've already answered this, <laughs> but okay, um, it's the last question. There's a question again. I have to ask legally because this is a podcast about video games, so I have to ask this one, which is, what are you playing right now? Ooh, what am I playing? Uh, so I, I definitely don't stick with one game super long, except for No Man's Sky right now. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I'm playing a lot of Battlefield Five when I when I've got well enough internet to play. How um, is that? How is that? You know, for me, it's and I'll, I'll probably get some flack for saying this, but I like it. I like it more than I've liked Battlefield One and Battlefield Hardline. Those two for me were just. Meh. And I've been playing since the beta of 1943, you know, mm-hmm. back in early, what was it, early 2000s. Uh, I've loved the series. It's it's my tried and true multiplayer game. I've had a my clan that I play with since that time, too, and we always play. This one feels nice again, and I, I like that it's back in World War II. That's a, it's a good setting. The environments are great. I, I personally enjoy it. Not a huge fan of their single-player war stories, The there was a lot of stealth involved. Eh, that kind of fell flat for me, but I'm enjoying multiplayer. It's it's a good time. Okay. Uh, and then past that, I mean, I'm still on Red Dead. I'm <laughs> poking my way through that thing so terribly slow, but I'm loving every minute of that. Um, so Red Dead 2, and then I started Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but time constraints told me, all right, you should probably just play one open world game for a while. So I've, I've let that one sit on the shelf for a little while until I get through Red Dead. Cool. I mean, I have a friend of mine who, who loves playing um, Assassin's Creed, the latest one, because it allows him to do the Sparta kick. Yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> that's, that's what you need to do. You, you probably have to say the line while doing it, although probably sort of run out of breath after doing this. I, I, I may have admittedly done that the first couple of times. <laughs> yeah, just, like, just, you know, legally obliged again to, to do that. But um, no, and, and as to um, Battlefield, I was going to just want to, one of my favourite moments of the, the Battlefield series of games, which there are many of you know, there's Battlefield Vietnam, is there not? Yes. And uh, highlight for me is going in with a tank while, while playing Charge of the Blue Valkyries. 
See that for me, it was being on the Huey. I've always, I, I, I've become known in our clan. I'm the pilot. I've always been the pilot. So I love flying around and I'm somebody that even back in, in what was a battlefield four, I would be more than content sitting in a transport helicopter, not gaining hardly any points for the whole match, just so I could fly back and forth, dropping my teammates off wherever they need to be, where there's snipers on top of the skyscrapers or going right into the fire zone. So yes, Vietnam was fantastic. I loved flying the Huey around, zipping around, blaring the music out to everybody. (laughs) It was great. And I, I do hope we, we get another revisitation to that genre and that era as well. I mean, I know there was the DLC. What was that? Was that in uh, battlefield? Bad Company 2? Yeah, oh, I can't remember exactly, but they did that one DLC pack, and it was nice. It was a nice tease, but yeah. I'd love to see that go back there again. Because something about that particular theater of battle, which uh, lasted way too long, was a political issue we'd best not talk about. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the those... those yeah. <laughs> Dropping napalm on your... On your it, was, it was intense. It was it very was, intense. But it was the music and the feeling and the, it was just that sense of... Uh, uh, yeah, it was a pretty intense game. and It was one of my favourites. Uh, Definitely. Course, and the original 42 was, was just mind-blowing. i never forget going, wait, is someone else driving that boat? Because you just... It was just mind-blowing at the time. Oh, yeah, at the like, time. You, you never saw anything like that. You're like, wait, I can walk around... Where? Everywhere? Really? Yeah. Like I can just go get in this Jeep and drive? Like, yeah, like, you got to be kidding me! And yeah, it was it was mind blowing, and yeah. and it was that point too. I'm like, this is going to be a new game standard, and here yeah. we are, you know, and open world games whole. and everything else past yeah. that. You know, yeah. Thanks, armor, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. You know, this whole soldier sim came out from that as well, didn't it? And, uh, became, yeah, came a thing. Ab- and, absolutely. Uh, yeah, as I call them, the muzzle flash games. You see Mother Flash? Oh, yeah, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. Too late. Have you seen it? Yeah. Ow. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, now you're dead. This Definitely. is how real weapons work. It's not very nice. <laughs> so, are you looking at Is there a health pack? No, because you've got a bullet in your... No. <laughs> you're not, sh- not happening. You're shot. <laughs> you've been... Jo- Never mind. On that very bizarre note, let's move on to the second half where we delve deep to Solar Flux. So, first question. Is it a question? It's a request. Please, Alex, do tell us what is Solar Flux? So, Solar Flux is what I consider a very artistically nice puzzle game. It's it's a physics puzzler, uh, as as we've spoke about earlier before. But you take control of an orbiting ship, and your goal in this game is to travel across all these different galaxies and basically restore dying suns. The the suns are are fading out and well we all know that's a that's a terrible thing to happen and so you go around collecting plasma in different puzzle formats fire it right back into the sun and 
regenerate it back to health and move on to the next. And we've got 80 missions, and it's set across four main galaxies. And that's Solar Flux in a nutshell. And it's a touchscreen game it, on two platforms, sorry, three platforms. Uh, but it also yep. works on a mouse and pointy, clicky thing. Yeah, we now, I mean, it, it's controller support, it's touchscreen and mouse and keyboard on Steam. Yeah, we've we've pretty much run the gamut. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I actually like our Nintendo Switch version a lot, because if you're just in handheld mode, it's touchscreen. Uh, we opted not to use the Joy-Cons with that because I like the touchscreen, you know, just for that mode. But if you toss it into your TV for TV mode, you're now using the Joy-Cons so you can run it like a controller. Yeah, I've, I've experimented, with it, experimented with that. I do like using the this switch is a touchscreen. It's not not done enough, in my humble opinion. It's a lovely little screen. If you take those Joy Cons off, it's it's just the right size. In your yes, hand. it's it's perfectly portable, and and it was it was a nice decision on our part, and I think it it really lends itself well. And you're right, it's not super common. Uh, in fact, I've played several games myself uh, from the eShop that I expected there to be touchscreen, and it looked like it was, and it didn't register anything. And I'm like, oh come on, missed opportunity. So yeah. for me, it's it's nice. I I enjoy it. It's, you know, uh, being able to access it both ways. It still freaks me out that I'm holding this machine. That is also capable of playing Mario Kart Deluxe. Like, right? How? This is just wizardry. <laughs> it is. It is spectacular. It is such a fa- fantastic system. It's. It's hard to think how Nintendo will improve on this. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, I know they uh, really hit it out of the park, as they say. But uh, fair play to them. But okay. So, um, and the control is very similar to what I call asteroids-like. Um, Although Asteroids is way more basic than this, than, than your thrusting. But you are having to thrust in the opposite direction you wish to go. Uh, and that's... Um, There's also Lula Lander a bit as well. But no, it's more Asteroids. Um, so just to let everyone know, that's how the control works. Your little ship. It's all about physics and gravity and Newtonian physics to a point. Not nearly as... Totally. Bad. Yeah, but it's definitely that. So, the tutorial... It reveals only so much. Mm-hmm. Was this deliberate? <laughs> well, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also to sort of expand on, you know, um, how you balanced that, how you revealed only so much to the player, yet let them discover so much, and how, what, what, what where in the meter did you go, and how, how has this developed? Because tutorials are very very difficult to do i know you know this already but let's just i just wanted to talk through because it's a fantastic one you've done a such a good job because when i discovered things which i'm not going to reveal on the show nor and i'd rather you didn't either if you can if you want then that's fine um but um i just i just found it fascinating you it's clearly been beautifully designed i just wanted to talk us through it please if you can absolutely no and i'm Thank you so much for the kind words. Uh, it's funny, this tutorial that, that did make it uh, into our final release game was actually, I think, probably our third, I think it was our third or fourth iteration. Um, we had tried a couple different routes with the tutorial uh, early on, and, and actually, not that long after I came on board with Firebrand was when I got to see Solar Flux. It was kind of in progress for coming out on, on mobile. Uh, we were prepping it for that, and the first tutorial that I had played uh, wasn't this one, and 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 it it still got a lot of the points across, 
but it was a bit more clunky. And I said, you know what? I, I think I can lend something here. And I worked with the team that was developing the game and we discussed, you know, just updating the tutorial a little more and, um, the guys took another pass at it and I, and we hit what we have now. And, and for me, it's, it's really fantastic because you learn the controls and that's what we're aiming to teach you. But as you say, and, and again, I won't overspoil anything either. There's a lot of subtleties in what you're reading and what you're learning. And even more importantly for us, it's if you want to achieve the three star rating in every one of those missions, what you learn in the tutorial is, is, is absolutely key because it is a physics puzzler, and there are many goals in which you think you have to overcompensate to accomplish a puzzle, and you don't. And it's a lot more simpler than you think in terms of maybe I'll just fire my ship in one direction with one tap and let all the planet's gravitational pulls do the rest. And all of a sudden, I've got my three stars. And a lot of people take that as, well, I need to hold the thruster down and go launching all over the screen and try and collect these things. But there's there's a lot of patterns. Everything's very patternistic. Our, our designer at the time, uh, who's no longer with the studio, but uh, Clive Lawrence, he, he was absolutely fantastic at designing these puzzles and making that star system really meaningful. I mean, the game is progressed. If you don't want to get all three stars, that's fine. If you want to just fly around grabbing that plasma just to see all the levels, you're more than happy to. But if you really want to knock out that three-star rating and really find out that that minimal effort needed to accomplish every puzzle, everything you see in the tutorial will help you a lot through that. Hmm. Yeah, it's um, efficiency is the key. Absolutely. Uh, it's the least amount of effort. It's, you're rewarded with that. It's yep. a strange game in that regard because most actually of the inverse of that model where you're saying, can you just settle down and study this properly? Because if you're, yeah. if my view, in my view, if I'm going around typically, now this is a sweeping generalization, which is a very stupid thing to do with a game like this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Typically, certainly in the early levels, if you're going around thrusting, you're probably doing it wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I, I mean, it's, it's, it's wrong in the sense that, all right, it's not. It's not the best way. I mean, you certainly aren't going to get three stars that way, right? No, and you gonna, but you can still accomplish the level that way, and that's fine. Most most times you can, anyways. <laughs> still going to save the galaxy. I grant you that, but yes, not the most efficient way to do it. Not the most elegantly. Yeah, and that's not, and that's yeah. for us. It was it was all about the elegance to finding those ways. And and uh, you know we've we've intentionally left a few in the Helios galaxy, especially in the early missions, where you are still learning the process and you learn like, wow, I can do all these slingshots and hiding in shadows and. And you learn that a couple of taps will get you through an entire array of small, you know, asteroids or the smaller planets around the sun. And and that's supposed to be that nice nugget of information for players that, hey, just try out and learn, learn the patterns, learn what's happening within the level. And, and you'll see that many levels don't require a lot of input and they can you can use the physics and and all of the the gravity wells and everything else etc and the timing for for later levels to to get you through it yeah and it's uh, also tells you, teaches you a little bit about space flight actually kind of how it works it's just like it's just a tiny little thrust and just go for a long long way <laughs> yeah and i mean i mean we've had when we released on steam we we i mean we've got a positive rating you know what we did get some you know negative comments oh this is this is absolutely unrealistic well unrealistic to what yeah <laughs> like it's... i mean i guess we we did associate with with the 
Uh, some of our friends on Space Coast being out there in, in Florida, so NASA's uh, next door. Yeah. We, we associated um, not with NASA directly, but with the Kennedy Space Center for for a little while. Um, and I mean, so I mean, I see reviews like, well, okay, if you're a NASA rocket scientist and you're telling me that my physics aren't right, fair enough, but they probably weren't designed to be that realistic. No, it teaches um, aspects of it. Yeah. yeah. To real stuff, it's ridiculously complicated and requires many, many years of study and even to scrape the surface off. So, shush. <laughs> I leave that up to the nice folks that made that made a Kerbal. There you go. That's there you go. There you that go. was that was your thing. Yeah. We've got momentum. We've got you know gravity. We've got that sort of thing. You've we'll got, stick to that. <laughs> you've also got expendable astronauts apparently as well, although that's not exactly. true. The horror of when something fails is truly bad. Um, which is why we didn't go, don't go up there anymore. Um, I want to ask you about the resources in the game because sure. I'm not sure when they were put in. Was it early, late? The two resources, listeners, is shield, and the shield is actually depleted when your your, your ship is directly exposed to one of a, a sun or one. Of, usually, there's one. That's not true. Again, it's not usually. There might be more than one sun on the screen. Um. But let's let's say just solar sort of uh, exposure, and then there's the fuel, of course, which allows you to thrust. Were they always there? So the team that worked on this was was before me, right. so I'm not entirely sure how to answer that. I believe it was in some of the early concepts that I saw. It it was um, the big thing that had been tossed around was how the ship would look and if it would be omnidirectional, which it ultimately ended up being. Um, early concepts had the ship looking very traditional, you know, a front and a back and, you know, thrusters in one side and trying to figure that out. Uh, ultimately, we ended up with the, the the more, I'll call it the donut ship, the donut shape ship, which yeah. was omnidirectional. But it made, it made a lot of sense in this game because you were bouncing all around and we didn't want to make it look goofy if you were spinning your ship to, you know, fire micro thrusters and all that stuff. Um, but as for those two, I believe they were always core mechanics. Right. And it's, it, for me, it, it heightened the ideal of efficiency because you would get more stars sometimes, not always. Some of them are based on how quickly you do the level, but some mm -hmm. of them is all about how much your shield gets exposed by and how much fuel you use or not. As the case maybe it's it's basically not a particularly subtle hint, but it is a clue to say maybe just maybe you shouldn't be going over there. <laughs> exactly, and and that's one thing that you know, uh, especially once you're once you're you know finally into like the the Heli or the, uh, the Hyperion Galaxy, you know you're going to learn a lot more about the use of shields and and using the shadows of planets to you know, keep your shield up and keep away from the exposure of all that good radiation. I could not help but be very impressed with the lighting effects. They were, they do such a good job of illustrating to the player where, what they're supposed to be doing, where they're supposed to be going. You know, it's in that, in that it's like, this, this is safe. Uh, maybe this area is safe. Or you can, you can hide around here for a little bit. Uh, yep. But yeah, it's really, really well done. So thank you. Thanks for that. Um, so when you put the plasma back into the stars, uh, I say back. Is it back? Yeah, it's back, because all matter is never destroyed. Anyway, uh, yay, more science. Um, the explosion, there's an explosion that occurs that radiates out from the star. 
totally. Could you tell us how you graded how impactful that explosion was? How much? Because I'm guessing that was difficult. Well, maybe it wasn't. Well, that one uh, is unfortunately before my time as well. Okay. But uh, it it definitely did take tuning from what I from what I recall hearing. Um, you know, it is that that solar flare that basically pushes you out needs to give you enough momentum to reach the the furthest back from said planet away. You know, obviously, once you're in momentum, you stay in momentum until you fire your thrusters to change. Just just like good old real physics in life. Um, but yeah, it was it was a tuning pass. I'm I'm certainly sure of that. And related to that question, uh, and again, this is the, the, the sort of the last sort of sort of uh, point to to raise on 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 solar flux for me after playing it for quite a while. Um, timing, timing is absolutely key. It feels like um, more of a platforming game in some regards uh, for for solar flux, and that. You know, if you if you miss time something, you can actually make a complete hash of a level. But a fraction of a second later, if you did something, it will be oh yeah, there you go. That's what you're supposed to do. Yes, totally. It it is very much you know timing based in a lot of the levels. Uh, my favorite is when you're slingshotting off of uh, different orbits, and just before you you know plow into a asteroid belt, you have to trigger yourself in another direction and, and a little bit too far and you're going to go off speed and smash into that asteroid belt or you know a little too soon you're doing the same thing and I think that again is is just a, a great attestment to the design of all of those levels they were very precise but very accomplishable too hmm. so the question I have is how much do you inform the player of this about giving them too much away what cues do you believe do you give to the player when they when you're presented with the level for the first time? What is it? What do you believe? How do you signpost if, if at all? Well, many levels aren't, especially when you get deeper into the game. Uh, some of the earlier levels, you can hear audio cues, so you'll hear pulses and you'll see the pulses. Um, we have, I know, over in in, uh, where is it? It would be the. The Oceanus level, if I remember right, there's there's a few levels where you're actually trying to cool down a sun. It's overheating, right? And so you're, you're taking the plasma to reverse the situation. You're trying to cool it down instead of reinvigorate it. Um, and those levels, there's there's timing. It's just based on you know finding the speed of maybe an obstacle that's rotating around the sun that you have to time your way through it. Uh, one of my favorite levels is an asteroid belt that is encircling a sun and it's casting all of these shadows out and your goal is to stay underheated right you don't want to overheat so you have to time yourself going through each of these shadow passes before one of the solar flares comes out and hits you because if it hits you it's going to knock you way off the level and then you're going to expend a ton of fuel and you're probably going to get burned up and that for me is just getting that timing down and you can do it pretty easily once you've just learned it because you're simply tapping accelerate 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 just matching the wave of those of those big uh, solar flares coming off so not all not all of the levels have that signpost or or that hint and a lot of it is trial and experimentation once you start trying out different patterns you might learn oh hey i can get to this one area pretty pretty easily with only a couple of taps and minor corrections how do i solve the rest of it and it certainly gets more challenging by the time you're over in in our last galaxy cerberus it's 
it's pretty wild. I mean, without overspoiling, we've got black holes, we've got crazy stuff happening, and it gets pre- it gets pretty intense. Yeah, it's like the worst level of space war we've ever seen in your life. <laughs> yes, like, we can't fight we, each other like this. No, you can't. We threw everything at it, you know. Yeah. We definitely threw everything out at that level, and it is it is nothing shy of intense. Yeah, but that's you know, it's what, what puzzle game is worth your while unless it's you know threes i'm kidding uh, <laughs> oh, fair enough fair enough <laughs> that game still can't. sorry uh, every every episode i mention it it's worse than world of warcraft so solar <laughs> flux um take a drink everyone solar flux by firebrand games is out now on windows pc mac os linux ios android and now as we spoke about earlier switch um alex it's been fantastic having you on Thank you so much for sharing your experience and your uh, design knowledge of Solar Flux. It's been wonderful. Thank you very much for having me on. I, I, I hope you got something from it. I know I, I, I did. And you're more than welcome to come back on to chat about what other projects you have lining up for 2019 and indeed the future, because trust me, we'll be here. <laughs> Sounds great. We've definitely got more in the pipeline. Excellent. Thanks very much. Take care. <laughs>